that, you know, it's like how kids talk about baseball players. That's how we talk about albums. We're just trying to postpone mortality. They need that to fill some kind of void that they have. The search for the Yeti. He's a duck. <laughs> well, don't interfucking rough. Who are we to complain when God takes things away? It's the Smashing Pumpcast. I'm Frank Garcia Hill. And I'm Pat O'Brien. And today things are getting a little bit jazzy because we're talking about the 2005 debut album by your Jimmy Chamberlain complex. This is exciting. I've been I've been excited excited. to do this and I'm even more excited having dug deep into this album. But first, first, Pat, first, we got some business. We got some business to get to. We got some Patreon thanks to give. Oh, yes. That's right. Patreon.com. We are on there. If you visit us on the socials uh, at Smashing Pumpcast KST on Instagram and Pumpkins Podcast on Twitter, you'll see on our bios we have a link tree there that will take you to our Patreon and to our merch which mm-hmm. now we have t-shirts and crew necks available for all weather and we have more to come yep yeah check it out um we gotta thank um some of our patrons our new patrons matthew riley thank you so much thank you to andy glacier aka track fade thank you to christian wilkin thanks to morgan snyder josh Hendricks. thank you big thank you to liquid sun bo anderson Thank you. Matthew Matinair, a.k.a. Maddie underscore 1979 on Insta. Thank you so much. Nate Smith. Uh, he also added, I'm an avid pumpkin head since 93 and was a touring musician with a band from 2007 to 2011 called Mercy Mercedes. We were based out of Greensboro, North Carolina, and were signed with the Militia Group, who's known with uh, for Copeland, Cartel, Acceptance, Rufio, uh, yeah, so thank you for signing up, Nate. And to Michael Maraca, thank you so much. Thank you all so much. Woo-hoo. Uh Yeah, it, it, we have a lot more cool stuff coming down the pike um, on the Patreon. We will, yeah, we're, we're going to be doing uh, commentary on the Vuforia video. Um, Correct. That's a big one. It's kind of uh, high time that we got to that, so we're really psyched for that. <laughs> yeah. And yeah, lots more fun stuff. Lots more video commentary and Beyond yeah. the Patch, so which is our spin-off podcast where we talk about other music that we like. So yeah, if you're a fan of the show, want to support the show, consider checking out. And if you want some if you if you're crazy enough to enjoy listening to these two crazy dudes talk, um, it's a great way to find more fun stuff from us. So, thank you all who've joined and uh yeah on with the show so today we're talking about the jimmy chamberlain complex and the album life begins again this is the debut album from the jimmy chamberlain complex uh and it came out on january 25th 2005 and was an enhanced cd remember those yeah that was kind of a moment in time enhanced cds yeah that was uh yeah it was it was cool to watch the video the you know the enhanced uh portion of that which was a video kind of a making of video which added some Mm -hmm. um which we'll talk about but yeah that added some insight to the uh, listening experience the album features several guest musicians and vocalists including your billy corgan 
Bill Medley of the Righteous Brothers, which is pretty wild, and Rob Dickinson from Catherine Wheel, mm-hmm. who we love. We the, love. I mean, I mean, I'll gush uh, plenty about Catherine Wheel when we talk about these tracks. Very cool um, matchup. Definitely a very cool person to have handle kind of more vocals than any other one person, right? Or he like he does a few. Kind of. I don't know. Every song is a little different. and it's Yeah. Know, but um, yeah, he's a great presence on this album. So we had put it out to socials because I was curious about how Rob got involved with this project. Mm-hmm. So apparently one of our listeners, Peter Verdos, or Verdes, pardon me if I mispronounce <laughs> that too, apologies, but... They said that, uh, I recall Jimmy saying that he wanted Mark Lanigan to sing on the album, but he was unavailable, so he reached out to Rob. Uh, And the only kind of uh, association that I was familiar with was the Somersault Festival, the one that Our Lady Peace put on in um, Canada. Mm -hmm. Because I remember having the t-shirt that I won from Our Lady Peace, but it had Smashing Pumpkins, Catherine Wheel, a bunch of other bands. It was like one of those type of edge fest type you know, right. Lollapalooza type of things. But I, I know that they played together on that festival, but I'm sure there's some UK festivals that they played on and, you know, they maybe got familiar with each other. But otherwise, I don't know the story of how he got involved or why he was asked to get involved. Yeah. Other than Catherine Wheel is amazing and He's a great vocalist. Right, yeah. I mean, certainly musically speaking, you know, I'm sure they share a lot. Like, just just speaking broadly about the Pumpkins and Catherine Wheel, like, probably share a lot of influences and stuff. But yeah, it's it's such a perfect pairing, and it makes for some really, really cool songs, um, which we will dive into. So it's mentioned that Bill Medley from the Righteous Brothers is on here because... Billy Moeller, I hope I'm saying that right. I'm just butchering everybody's name right now, who uh, is the co-writer on this album, Mm -hmm. sings a little bit, uh, sings live. Um, That is his godfather. Oh, okay. There you go. So he said, God, Pappy, I need the favor. It had to be something like that, because otherwise it's just too... I don't know if random's the right word, but like it's, it's just pretty random. random. <laughs> yeah. Let's get the guy from the Righteous Brothers in here. <laughs> oh man. Well, so okay, we'll we'll talk more because each song is a little different in terms of lineup, and it's you know there are several yeah. kind of guests and stuff. So we'll kind of talk about each one. But what was your relationship with this album? Did you did you have one? I sort of did. It was. I remember. My friend Stephanie in college, uh, she was, I mean, she is a big Pumpkins head, uh, and she kind of really held the flame for them in the early aughts and stuff, and every kind of side project or whatever, she was really into Zwan, and she was really into this album. I remember she played it for me, and I liked it okay, but I was very stubborn at that time about it and she went to go see them live and told me it was incredible yeah i believe uh, it. and i wish i would have gone with her to see that um but yeah i think this is only like i only gave it like a couple of listens when it first came out and i was like hey i like a couple of songs of course i like the ones with rob and with billy and mm-hmm. you know but for the most part and i'll talk about this later or i guess i could talk about this now the college i went to was the university of north texas 
and I worked for the college radio station there, and it was primarily jazz. Oh, like 90% jazz because we're a big jazz school, big jazz music school, uh, University of North Texas. And so I worked during the day as like jazz DJ, mm -hmm. KNTU, the one for jazz. I didn't and know this. I knew you worked at the radio station, but I didn't know it was jazz focused. It was all jazz focused and I couldn't care less. And I was a, just being a real shithead about it. But I eventually got my own show on Sunday nights late Sunday nights that was an alternative and indie show mm -hmm. because they had like sports show and another type of show and they they kind of just tucked you away when nobody really listens right um and I just remember like just being surrounded by jazz all the time and I couldn't appreciate it at the time mm -hmm. so when this album came out I'm like Jimmy's amazing but I, I just don't dig the jazz fusion stuff i mean this is more in the vein of like bad plus or something like that that's a little cooler but i don't know i just couldn't appreciate the time but of course as i got older i started getting into like good jazz and stuff mm -hmm. and then uh i listened to the cd again and i was like oh this is actually pretty good and then uh yeah this listen you'll hear my thoughts later but uh i changed my mind so yeah, I, I t uh, you know, I also re I remember when this came out. I remember seeing it in the store. I think I probably listened to I probably checked out the track with Billy on it, but I think and even though I think at this point like I've since come to I really like jazz and we're kind of like I feel like we're saying we're talking about jazz because this is um this album appeared to be a jazz album it's kind of right. not totally it is it's like jazz Yeah, we'll talk about yeah that, we'll get yeah. into the, the degree to which it isn't like it is or isn't you know jazz as as you would think about it but i think i just even though i think i like i i, I don't know even though i was obsessed with the pumpkins you know got like james's solo album got billy so i was there day one to get billy's oh, yeah. solo album which, you know which was wasn't long after this I just, I think I was just too young to, uh, to not, not that I wasn't open-minded enough. I just kind of, I don't know. I, I just didn't feel ready for what I imagined this album to be, which was largely instrumental. I think I just liked songs, songs, you know, like Jimmy has yeah. a quote about, um, in the video for this, the, the enhanced CD portion where he says pop songs are more about where you end up than how you get there, whereas these songs are about going somewhere. That is something I wasn't ready for at the time, but I've since come to really love about music since. So this, this, yeah. So long story short, I didn't really listen to it. I think I knew Loki Cat. Um, still hadn't listened to that in twenty or you know a long time, not yeah. twenty years. But um, so this album, even though I was aware of it for a long time, is very was very new to me when we started prepping for this episode but man i love it it's 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 great it's and it's so much more it's like more fugazi than it is um dave brubeck or something like it's very yeah. like it's jazz i was thinking slint yeah totally it's like it's it's jazz like in a spiritual way like not in like horns and like stand-up <laughs> bass like it's yeah. very much a although there is a great stand-up bass part 
Oh, uh, is there a stand-up in, in this album? Yeah, that I'll point out. Well, there are some kind of classic jazz elements that appear once in a while, but they're really woven into this kind of rock, te- like alternative. Even there's, I, I'll mention there's like some punk-sounding, you know, um, influences or parallels there. So it's a really cool album that I think I've matured into a person who can can really appreciate. And now that we've dug into it i will continue to be um listening to this one yeah yeah it's a good one i I was surprised at how much i really liked it uh revisiting it um but so like i guess we could talk about a little bit about i mean this there's a lot of people in here but like billy moeller uh for those of you don't know and i still don't know if i'm saying his last name moeller moeller uh m-o-h-l-e-r He's a Grammy-nominated producer, songwriter, and multi-instrumentalist. Yeah, he played bass on this and especially live, and he sang. He So here's a fun fact. The first two met when he auditioned for Zwan. Right. Though he was not hired, they hit it off. Uh, and after uh, Zwan split in 2003 and Chamberlain secured a record deal for his solo project, Muller was the first person he contacted yeah, so he contributed a lot to this first album with uh, co-writing, co-producing, and playing bass guitar, bass, electric guitar, and keyboards, and singing in Street Crawler and Newer Waves. And of course, like we said, his godfather is Bill Medley of the Righteous Brothers. Other bands that he's worked with, War Tapes, who opened for the Smashing Pumpkins in 2007, and he also worked with Lady Gaga, Amy Osborne, Liz Fair, Kelly Clarkson, Macy Gray, and uh, he was part of the band The Calling. I don't know if you remember that band. They were, had a big hit in the early aughts. I'll drop it here. Not a fan, but, you know, whatever. What, was, what, what sense did you get from him when you watched the EPK or, like, the Enhanced thing? Um, or watching any of the live performances. Yeah, I mean, it seems like they like all the the people that were working on this seem just from the the footage I saw. They all seem like minded. They all seem like good matches for Jimmy because they like there seemed to be sort of an improvis like they were embracing sort of the parts of music playing that they loved that they pro probably couldn't embrace quite so much it like in in previous band or previous collaboration it, it, previous yeah. band situations or previous collaborations. so it seemed like it was a meeting of the minds even just like the first song um street crawler street crawler i'm sorry you see you know that um guitar solo being kind of improvised off the cuff so from an outsider's perspective it seemed like this was this, the, these guys all sort of were like-minded in their mission to make sort of a an album that couldn't be easily pinned down to a genre yeah okay shall we dive in and we'll talk more about the the personnel on each song but shall we get into the track let's do it the first song off of life begins again is called street crawler
Crawler. So, Street Crawler, we got Jimmy Chamberlain Moeller and Sean Wool. Oh, Pat, Pat, you're going to have to help me out here. Wolsten, let's see. <clears throat> Street Crawler. Wolstenholm. Wolsten, Wolstenholm. I, I, I'm, I'm sure I'm saying it wrong. This is, look, we're yeah, going to. we're just all going to say everything. We're going to be doing some name. free jazz with people's names on the show. We'll, you know, we'll go to out wild out there places, but we'll always bring it back to what the um, Wikipedia says. That's right. He was a, you know, it says here that he was original touring guitarist and vocalist for Jimmy Chamberlain Complex. We know that. Uh, and that he was replaced later on with Gannon Arnold. But, uh, yeah, there's not much other information that I see on him. Uh, but that's the personnel on this song. Pat, what are your thoughts on Street Crawler? Yeah, I mean, I like, um, just to reference that video, that enhanced video, There, t- this, this is the, you know, the song that sets the tone for the album. And I think it does it well because yeah. the album... I don't know. It does kind of work well together, but there are, the songs are a little bit, um, you know, they're not all of the same family. You know, like it, it, this kind of gives you a sense of the types of sounds you can expect throughout the album a little bit, and it is jazzy, perhaps even more traditionally jazzier than most of what comes after it, like just with the organ. But I, I love, yeah. you know. I I love the like the organ at uh, you know around the 107 mark Then we get into like this wild guitar solo around the two and a half minute mark. It reminds me of I'm not super well versed in jazz, but I do like jazz and I really love Miles Davis. The Bitches Brew album is like a fantastic album. And this album reminds me of that, like the really kind of um, just like spaced out kind of solos and sort of discordant like moments that happen. This sets the tone really well and you could see them discussing how it's important that this song set the tone for the album in that video. Um, and part of that is, you know, part of what's cool about that video is that you see them having this conversation, but also kind of really valuing improvisation, you know, like he's, he's, it's off the cuff, um, you know, so it, it, I dig it. I, it gets, it gets me into it. And I, I could also see how 15 or 17 years ago there would have been some kind of barrier to entry with, you know, I just think musically yeah. I wasn't ready for it, but yeah, I, I really dig it. Um, what are your thoughts? No, I think you're right. I think it's a really good thesis for the album. It's mm-hmm. like, if you like this, then you're going to be into yeah. pretty much the rest of the album. And if you're not, there might be one or two songs, you know, maybe skip to the Billy Corgan song and see how you, you dig it. But mm-hmm. like, 
it really does set the mood of the album really well they're correct like this is the track to start it because i can't imagine starting with anything else because when it starts it, it kind of has elements of jazz and fusion that are you're familiar with mm -hmm. and then it turns into this melodic and ethereal like alternative which yeah. uh, reminds me a little bit of pumpkins and catherine wheel sure um and then it goes into that jazz piano that organ but what i want to know pat is why didn't they reach out to our very good friend? I know. Parking Hey, Jimmy, Jimmy, baby, you're going to have an organ solo without uh, without your old pal Mark? Maybe, um, yeah, I don't Jazzy know. Jazzy Jimmy. This could have been that baby. period where Mark had to go away for a while, where he had to go off the grid for a while. You know, he had to live south <laughs> yeah. of the border and change his name. Well, it's getting a little too hot there, Jazzy yeah. Jimmy. But come on, baby, have me back here. Yeah, I'm gonna slide some pills under the door. But yeah, it uh, it is food for thought. You know, when you got when you do have an album that right out of the gate features. I mean, I think that organ comes in about a minute into this this album. So yeah, it begs the question: why was why was Ignafo not contacted? But <laughs> we don't know. Yeah, but I mean, Jimmy's drumming is just uh, incredible, of course. I mean, I'm well, going to say that throughout I, this. Yeah, I mean, that's that's the other kind of thesis of the album, I guess. Or that's the unspoken. Yeah, just being like, get ready to have your ass rocked by the best drummer well, in rock and yeah, roll. Yeah, and j even just like, um, even just the, the very idea that, you know, to, to build this band around the drummer right down to the name of the band, it speaks speaks pretty highly of the of the drummer you know what i mean it, it, it's yeah. it's it goes without saying that jimmy is a sick drummer but we will continue to say it throughout just f fair for warning. the rest of our life until the day we die yep yeah i love that part where it kind of goes into that tom and bass section you mm -hmm. know it reminds me of silver fuck a little bit yeah and then it goes into that fusion and does that you know uh, uh guitar that that guitar solo kind of reminded me a little bit of slint Sure. Like the whole the song wouldn't be out of place on a Slint album, I think. It's a little bit more polished, but it has that feel to it, you yeah. know. Yeah. Um, yeah, I just love it's so loose, but then it goes bam, right back into like the tight melodic groove. Right. And I some I I I'm I'm interested to see like where they got the inspiration for the names. I'm sure they're like kind of like most jazz musicians, they kind of have different. We'll talk about some of the titles later, but like they're kind of non sequiturs or just kind of like whatever or mm -hmm. feeling mostly. And I think that the title fits with this song, but I just really want to get Jimmy on to talk about these albums. Yeah, uh, I know. Especially this one. I would really like to talk to him about his solo stuff. Of course, Pumpkins. But, you know, how often do we hear him talk about. I know. You know. I would love to pick his brain. I, I, that, that's another thought that I had too. Is just how I mean, we've thought about it before, and we would love to have him on. But how? Yeah, and just what a cool guy, and what a what a I don't know, what a great force in music. You know, there's yeah. just really he's just so good. And I was also thinking too, just since this is an episode where it is a Jimmy Chamberlain project that features Billy a little bit, but it's it's this is Jimmy's vision as opposed to Billy's vision. Um, I th we've kind of said it before, but like, even even if you're uh, the type who hates Billy or you hate the pumpkins for whatever reason, we, do, you know, we don't agree, but like, you know, whatever. I just, I can't imagine anybody 
not giving it up for Jimmy Chamberlain and his abilities yeah. and his style and just his undeniable chops. I mean, he's chops is is even it just is kind of you know <laughs> it doesn't his, do it justice. It doesn't do it justice because that makes it seem like he's doing a good job at a pre-existing thing, you know. Whereas yeah. he's doing his own, he's doing a killer job at his own thing. So. Yeah. I've heard so many technically proficient drummers in my time, especially with jazz and stuff, and especially coming from a jazz school sure. or music school. And he combines both feeling, emotion, character, and uh, technical proficiency. Mm-hmm. It's It makes him so unique out of everyone because he has all those things, and some people only have one of those things. Yeah. And you could be a great drummer and only have one, it only do one element of what Jimmy does really well, really well. Exactly. You know, that would still, you'd still be great at, the, you know, in a way. Yeah. But yeah, he, he's yeah. incredible. If you can't give it up, then uh, go fly a kite off of a short pier. Yep. That's how we feel. Go kick rocks, pal. <laughs> Jump. Up next, we have our title track, Life Begins Again. Life begins again. On this track, we have Rob Dickinson on vocals from the Catherine Wheel. Not the Catherine Wheel, but Catherine Wheel. Pat, what are your thoughts? Well, I got to say, I love this song. This is an awesome song. It's one of my favorites. uh, Probably top three off the album for me. It reminds me very much of AFI in the guitar riff and even the drums i have to kind of look into i remember i have a very distinct memory of being in high school and it this reminds this is reminding me of um i you know obviously you got the singer from catherine wheel on here so it's weird that afi is like the reference that keeps coming to mind for me for this but Mm -hmm. it's it's true and i was i got into them you know like late 90s this reminds me of late 90s early 2000s afi um and i remember hanging out with with a friend of a friend like these kids who were in a band when i was in high school and listening to afi and this one kid who was a drummer saying like oh you hear what the drummer is doing there he's doing this thing called ghost tones on oh the yeah drums. ghost notes yeah ghost notes yeah yeah and um so I think AFI has a pretty sick drummer too. It's I haven't listened to them in a while, but anyway, yeah. This this was an which is just all that to say uh, another surprisingly not traditional jazz sort of vibe that was very front and center for me. You know, this is like such a rocking song. I love the. This also reminds me of AFI actually, but around the three minute mark, the the now you see me. You know, there's oh, a man. there's a specific song. I think it's that. Days of the Phoenix where he even says, "Now you can see me." Like, and then you get those really. No, finish the song. And then it goes, "Oh, I fell into yesterday. Oh, my dreams seem not far away. 
That's my Davy Havoc impression. Um, Sorry, I didn't get any of that, Pat. Could you take that back? Ooh. <laughs> so, I don't know. And then you get this, the, the outro with these really beautiful piano touches. It's just like such a cool combination of, you know, obviously the vocals have so much character, but then the sort of um, power of the music, but then the jazziness, you know, the kind of like... I don't know the, the 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 piano touches on the outro sort of like weave it all together in this kind of nice way that does separate it from being kind of a traditional rock song. So yeah, this one is really catchy. This one really hooked me. Definitely one of my faves off the album. What do you th- move? Yeah, what are your thoughts? Yeah, I can see how this was the title track. I mean, because yeah. it's just super solid. Rob is one of my favorite vocalists, you know, in alternative uh, shoegaze or whatever you want to call it. Um, but big, big, big Catherine Wheel fan. I've been revisiting their stuff too a lot lately. And I just, the albums I kind of overlooked, I've been really getting into. But this song actually sounds like it could have been on a later Catherine Wheel album. Like later era Catherine Wheel kind of got into this territory mm-hmm. uh, where they mixed kind of a little bit of these elements of like shoegaze, rock, uh, hard rock, and um, like jazz elements as well. Right. Because they were very proficient musicians. But uh, oh yeah, also <laughs> fun fact, uh, yes, he is related to Iron Maiden's Bruce Dickinson. Oh, uh, really? Just so that you know, Rob Dickinson, yes, they are family. Staring here and staring at rock legend Bruce Dickinson. The cock and a walk, baby. And if Bruce Dickinson wants more cowbell, we should probably give him more cowbell. Say, baby. But that part you talked about that Now You See Me mm-hmm. reminds me, his voice is very similar in that part to Peter Gabriel. as well and he has covered i think it was mercy street which is one of my favorite That's peter cool. gabriel songs wow That's a great point. Yeah. You see me? Yeah, totally. He really sounds like it there and I love it. Um and I love like the little breakdowns, the jazzy kind of breakdowns of that breathe, just breathe part. Mm-hmm. Um, and some of that guitar actually kind of sounds like early aughts emo. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like there's a certain tone to it, but For I love sure. how it builds up again to that main part. Everything works just so well on the song. Um, I would kill Pat, uh, murder even, if you will, uh, for a Pumpkins Catherine Wheel lineup. I mean, that would be awesome. I would be front and center. Let's get Pumpkins, just. Catherine Wheel, and AFI together. That would I doubt be... Catherine Wheel will, will ever uh, get back together, but 
Man. Anything? Yeah. I mean, oh boy. Yeah. I mean, just also to your point about not going to see the Jimmy Chamberlain complex at this point, that wasn't even on my radar, but if given the opportunity, we should definitely go see whatever incarnation, whatever, any chance to be in a, in a relatively smaller venue experiencing Jimmy playing drums. Even if it was by oh, himself, I would, I would be there, you know, but um, yeah. Yeah, definitely. I was jealous of those shows they were doing in Chicago with mm-hmm. him and uh, Frank um, I Catalano. Last name. Something like that. Yeah, and those, uh, yeah, because they were playing those shows together. I know they had a delay because Jimmy had COVID for a little bit, but like uh, that, yeah, I would kill to, or not kill, but I would. I don't know why I'm so, I guess <laughs> I'm looking for an excuse to you kill You would beat everyone. someone severely, not kill. I would slap someone. Very hard, open palm. You're like Batman. To see that show. Batman doesn't kill, <laughs> but he'll beat you up yeah, pretty good. Exactly. Scary straight. <laughs> the Batman, now in theaters. Yep. Um, yeah, I, I, I have a question for you, Pat. Yeah, shoot. Don't shoot me, but shoot. I know, I'm on a killing spree for some reason. Uh, do you think that Billy was a little jealous that his song wasn't the title track? And I'm 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 being funny here, but also not. Hmm. You know, only because I recall Billy talking to Howard Stern one of the many times, and it must have been when, definitely was when he and James were like not on speaking terms, and he was kind of saying to Howard like, you know, it really bothered me that, or you know, like how he didn't like that James kind of went ahead and made a solo album without his involvement or without his blessing or without his like mm-hmm. help or whatever. So I think the fact that he's involved, um, and because of the fact that the Billy track is the one track that comes back at the end, I think that oh, gives yeah. it the, a, a, a separate seat of honor. So I, I hear what True. you're saying, but I bet because one band member had already made a solo album and Billy was sort of not involved in it. This was probably, I, I doubt there was, it just seems like Billy and Jimmy, there's like not, not a lot of um, bad blood or resentment um, possible yeah. in the type of friendship or you know relationship that they have. But I hear what you're saying. Yeah, I mean, plus he you know was part of the Reformation, so... Right, they were still on good they, terms. Yeah, so they were bouncing like, yeah, from so. band to band together, the incarnation to incarnation of the Pumpkins together. So yeah, it seems. So like final answer, you, he doesn't give a shit. I wouldn't say he doesn't. Pat O'Brien, give a sh- I think that. he no, gives, you you I were going he, on record to say he didn't care. I think definitely cares, but was probably okay with the outcome. <laughs> okay. Definitely gives a shit. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I think there are very yeah. I think there are. Um, very few things that Billy doesn't give a shit about, doesn't have an opinion on. And right. I'm sure this was one of them, but I think it was probably favorable. But a good good thought, and I hear why you're thinking it. Just be Alright, now we want to get serious for a moment, folks. With a serious PSA.
Yes, A. Again, this kind of goes in with like, what does this stand for? What is the the story behind it? Uh, but this has uh, our core group of musicians, no guest stars on this one. And uh, yeah, PSA, Pat, how do you feel about PSA? Um, oddly, this one kind of was reminding me of AFI as well. I don't know why I had AFI on the brain so much, but... Um, you are obsessed with AFI. And yeah, I mean, murder. I yeah, Miss Murder. Um, that's there. You go. It all makes that's sense. That's why, Pat. We're like it's like a, a Pacific Rim thing. We're drifting. You mm -hmm. know, we we have to work together. Our brains are now connected in a yep. river stream. Mm -hmm. Davy Havoc. But yeah, this this a lot of these songs don't like we were saying kind of signal jazz. You know, on the surface level, but they are very much doing jazz in, in the best way possible. Um, in terms of like having a catchy main riff and then kind of getting really wild with it and pulling and eventually reining it back in to be recognizable again. So I, yeah, I really dig this one. It's nice too. This, I, I think these kind of alternating like, so, you know, v vocal songs and then instrumental songs kind of do let the album wash over you a bit. So yeah, I, I, I enjoy this one quite a bit what are your thoughts yeah. yeah i think it has some really cool tones the beginning almost sounds like uh the stabbing westward song called drowning But then it really sounds like a sunny day real estate type of song. Yeah. Like in that same realm, you know? So much of that world, it, I feel, is like present. Like good kind of um, early emo, I guess you could call it. Yeah. You know? Or like emo like the, alternative. Like the late 90s. Yeah. Before it became kind of a parody. Or like an, you know, like the kind of catchiness and like power of that stuff that is, is why people like it, you know? Yeah, it was pre-dashboard, I think, is what you're saying. Dashboard might have been sort of a tipping point where things started I think so. to feel a little, well, maybe this <laughs> maybe this isn't the future of music, but... Right. Yeah. Dashboard but, yeah. Confessional was huge in quote-unquote emo, but before that, there were bands that were kind of like already doing this kind of sound. And I guess Jimmy Eat World, too, like that early Jimmy Eat World stuff, too, was considered emo. Well, even, well. honestly, I mentioned Fugazi earlier, and before we, anyone had words for any of this stuff, they were kind of like pioneering sounds that would kind of later become, you know, taking punk and kind of jazzing it up a little bit, honestly. Yeah. like so, With time signatures and stuff. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So and and even though there's not, it, this doesn't sound, this album doesn't sound like Fugazi. It sure makes me think of them. Um, oh, and also, I I don't know if I mentioned this, but did you ever listen to the Fugazi album Instrument, the instrumental mm -hmm. one? Yeah. Great album. I used to put it on when I wrote. Great album and very 
pumpkins-y, I, I'll say. Mm-hmm. Like, it sounds, a lot of it sounds like it could be stuff sprinkled throughout um, the Aeroplane Flies High box set. Like, a lot of that yeah. album. Anyway, just as a Fugazi aside, but um, I was listening to it and it, it, it struck me as very pumpkinsy recently. <laughs> I'm sure that Ian McKay would love that comparison. Right, I know, yeah. <laughs> I mean, he and Henry Rollins, I know because I've been lucky enough to uh, meet Henry Rollins a couple times. He talked, it's very, like, they are their best friends still since high school and they talk on the phone every Sunday. Still, to That's this awesome. day. Yeah, very cute, wow. very sweet. They're going to end up like um, Rob Reiner and... Oh my uh, God, dude, they totally are. They totally yeah. are that. Yeah, they are the, the like punk rock version of that. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, I, I like this song. I mean, it goes all over the place, but with the chimey guitars and the swells and the drumming, it really gave me Sunday Day Real Estate vibes. But then it, the jazzier part sounds so dynamic. And have you ever heard of the band Snarky Puppy? I've heard the name. I don't. I can't say I'm familiar with their stuff. One of my former roommates at University of North Texas, uh, when I lived in the music dorm, Bruce Hall, he played percussion for them, or he was one of the percussionists for them. And I'd heard about them then, but my brother-in-law is like a huge fan of theirs. Hmm. And when I went to visit them last year, he's like, hey, you have to watch this video. And it's a live performance they're doing of a song called Lingus, L-I-N-G-U-S. And I was blown away. Uh, I'm not even like really into that kind of uh, jazz or fusion stuff, but man, it the musicianship on display in that song is incredible. It's just yeah. mind blowing. But Snarky Puppy, yeah. But I like how it gets chaotic on this song. And mm-hmm. uh, they love using that bass distortion uh, throughout this album. And I really like the tone on it. Mm-hmm. Uh, even though I just kind of gave it all that praise. Not my favorite on the album, but it's I think it's pretty solid. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. Well, Pat, you're known as a trickster. But not as much as our next song, Loki Cat. A life comes our way. A death comes our way. Which is the safe place? I'll tell you. Who I went to complain. When God takes things away. right i am the god of mischief that's what they call me in my house um so okay it's especially mischievous 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 mm-hmm. right is it not only loki the the trickster god but a cat too a cat version of loki come on my goodness think of all the tricks um <laughs> 
So, like, I feel like when you saw the CD of this in the store, it would it had the sticker on it that would say featuring Billy Corgan doing this song. Obviously, this is a bit of a draw, you know, for the album, but it fucking rules. This is a this yeah. is such a beautiful song. I think a lot of Pumpkin fans appreciate this and have made the comparison to Set the Ray to Jerry in yeah. terms of the sound and just the vibe and sort of the um, gear of, of Pumpkin song or of Billy song. Very moody and atmospheric. Um, yeah, just uh, just in terms of vocals, I love this, this type of um, vocal performance from Billy. But... Um, yeah, it, it, this this vibe of Billy and Jimmy like kind of doing their thing is really nice, and it kind of actually it feels like a I don't know, but it'd be cool if there was something that didn't necessarily sound like this on the new stuff, but something that let them play in this sandbox a little bit because this is a great great song. I just love the mood of it and the kind of softness of of Billy's vocals, and of course. It, Jimmy can really shine on it in in a different way than sort of like hard rocking Jimmy. Yeah, the, what we talked about about the subtle and reserved totally. side of him that's just still so uh, impactful. Yeah, the, his nuanced playing is like just as powerful as his heavy playing. Yeah, I mean, I really love this song. It's a cool, stark start. Uh, beautiful how it breaks in, and it's so airy and crisp. But that's mm-hmm. what. Of course, it reminds me of The Cure. We're going to bring that up. But especially the song's Cherry or Set the Rated Jerry. Mm -hmm. Um, I love his vocals on this. Again, more distorted bass. I love that dropout and splash back in. kind of weird kind of little distorted out of the song yeah it's got like a lot of these like elements going on but like you almost don't notice it because of the production and the the musicianship on it's so light and airy and mm-hmm. sounds so cool that it's they, there's room it's it's weird. It's like I visualize there's room to kind of play within this structure, but it's still very, you know, uh, structured. Mm-hmm. Yeah, great headphone listen. Kind of in terms of this whole album, um, that that is true. But um, this song especially, yeah. I mean, what can we say? It's ch- the chances were high that we were gonna, you know, probably like this, but um, I think this song not only is a great one on this album but it's up there in terms of all the many 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 songs billy and jimmy have done together you know which is really saying something i was thinking about this recently too because we eventually have to do another (laughs) since we're kind of still in it uh pandemic mix uh but open it up a little bit and Mm -hmm. i was thinking like oh something like this would be good on that kind of mix you know for sure different flavor you know yeah maybe we'll do one that is because I think the the first time around we were like, okay, just 
Smashing Pumpkins Spotify. proper and what's available yeah. on Spotify. So already very limited. But if we were to open it up to kind of anything that any of the members have worked on yes. and to pull it in and see like what are the common threads here, you know, like what... Uh, yeah, that it would be a fun exercise to try to make like a playlist that flows that sort of involves all the projects from all the members. Let's say we're going to plan it for the end of summer. How about that? Yeah, when that next plague comes around, we'll uh, <laughs> we'll get <laughs> when going. When the ice caps melt a little bit more, when we get more diseases coming up. Yeah, yeah, all the disasters that are coming our way in the next few years, it's going to make for great uh, podcasting. Oy vey. Anyway. <laughs> okay. <laughs> um well, speaking of uh, locusts and things coming to kill us, the next song is Cranes of Prey. Cranes of Prey. That was my Fraser Crane. I'm listening. <laughs> oh, that's uh, good. It's, no, it's awful. That, uh, Cranes of know, Prey. Man, that was good. I was whisked away to hey, Seattle? Seattle. Seattle. Yeah, Seattle. Yeah. That's right. Toss salad and scrambled eggs. Oh, again. again. Fraser has left. Cranes of Prey, we have our, you know, uh, core group here, I believe. And Pat, what are your thoughts on Cranes of Prey? Yeah, I, I, this is, this is to me like your, this is your like, okay, ball, gloves off kind of rock jazz track of, of the album. This, um, it's got that kind of Nirvana twang, like, like, which I think is it sort. It was reminding me of "Smells Like Teen Spirit." The, yeah. Um, I love when that bass solo comes in and it mellows out a couple of minutes oh. in. Definitely, kind of a pumpkin's feeling there. And the end of this one, this might just be me reaching to sort of um, name drop the very the few jazz like the few contemporary jazz artists I know about. But mm-hmm. do you know um, Kamasi Washington? You ever listen to his stuff? Oh, I've I've heard of. He's I really, really good. dug in. But yeah, I, I've had other people recommend. Yeah, he's great. And his uh, I, the one album I know really well is the Epic, and it's like a triple vinyl album. Um, but it has a lot of. If you listen to that, um, you'll hear. You'll definitely hear what I mean. Yeah, that's just, you know, that's just me kind of reaching to to mention a jazz thing I know, but it did remind me of that. <laughs> um, I think the organs and just the kind of build of it, um, 
but yeah i i this is a great one this is like um yeah this is the, their unique brand of jazz kind of like going full force yeah this is the one where they really mix the two kind of uh extremes almost mm-hmm. it sounds like because at the beginning it almost sounds like a rage against the machine yeah. or red hot chili peppers song totally. you know it has a fun groove um there's this weird vocal. I was listening with headphones, of course, but there's this weird vocal in the back, or like kind of in the bottom of the track that sounds like it's coming from a hall or a temple. Mm-hmm. And I can't tell if it's vocal or if it's like a keyboard effect, but it's this really cool, like, yeah, very spacious sound that kind of comes in and out of it. Um, and I love how it goes into that pretty part and sounds like an upright bass. This is where I was talking about where the upright bass I heard, because you can actually hear those bass strings mm-hmm. rattle. Right, you can hear right. the rattling of the bass strings, and I think that gives it a nice like kind of closeness or mm-hmm. roughness with the more slick stuff. I like that dynamic of you hearing the, the rattle of the bass string when it sounds kind of very put together, kind of jazzy. Totally. Um, I, I kind of didn't like it coming back to the riff because it gets a little repetitive. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I think there's some really cool moments on this uh, that make it, you know, the whole better. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, I like this one. I totally know what you mean about the bass strings because it gives it more of a, um, you know, performance feel. Like, yeah. it doesn't sound like you're listening to a bunch of tracks layered on each, a bunch of super clean tracks. Like, there's, there's yeah. the the... Because that's not this. I mean, this album is super clean sounding for the most part, but um, yeah, it does have the feeling of a band. It doesn't sound like jamming. It sounds way more intentional yeah. than jamming. But I know what you mean that it gives it that sort of like um, tactile Rawness. feel. Yeah. Yeah. And it's like because I was worried for a second. I was like, oh no, we're gonna get like a fretless bass or a Chapman <laughs> stick kind of sound. You know, like that right. very like clinical which can work in some cases but like i was like oh no but then i was like okay this sounds pretty great because it's just the stand-up bass Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. well pat if there's one thing i'm sure of it's that love is real one we have the return of rob dickinson on vocals from Catherine wheel what are your thoughts on love is real i mean i love that opening bass line yeah this it's really catchy it has a um i guess maybe it's just that these guys sound alike or something but it has a lou barlow like dinosaur jr kind of song feel I was gonna say the exact same thing. Right, it's like really, if you if you like you know his many different, you know his work um, in whatever band, like it definitely sounds like him. Even a little Sonic Youth kind of honestly like mm. uh, like some of their more catchy tunes um 
Yeah, I, it's interesting because this is one where like that wall of sound they create feels so dense, but it's really not that many elements going on. It's just guitar, yeah. drums, ba- vocals, ba- like pretty standard, but they really build it up. It, it, yeah, I, I love this one, and it's very anchored by the bass for me in this one. But it's, yeah, I, I love the mix of uh, the vocal and, um, yeah, just the catchiness of the, the music and the, and the vocals is, is super catchy. Yeah, I feel like this is the most straight straight ahead, like, straightforward song mm-hmm. on the album. Because this one, I mean, I this one... Sounds like another track that could be Catherine Wheel, but mixed with Dinosaur Jr. Lou Barlow mm-hmm. specifically type of Dinosaur Jr. song. I like the layering on it of the ooh oohs, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah, I, I really dig this song. Again, I'm just I'm a easy mark because I love Catherine Wheel and it sounds like a Catherine Wheel song and it's it just sounds great. Yeah. I mean, all the ones that he, uh, the tracks that he sings on uh, are, are that, yeah, they have that advantage already because his voice is just so uh, pretty. I was going to say pretty, and I think that's that's <laughs> accurate. You know, it's, he's, yeah, he's got no, a pretty it is. voice. Yeah. Um, if you yeah. if you haven't checked out uh, Rob's solo album, I highly recommend it because that one's really great too. Oh, I will check that out. I, I don't know that. For so Well, a lot is owed to Rob on this album, but let's talk for a moment about what's owed to Daryl. Daryl, so there's a little bit of that fun, jazzy wordplay yeah. here, you know, instead of ode, O-D-E, we have ode. This is the kind of jazz, like, sense of humor I would see on a lot of albums that I'd have to play uh, on the jazz station, mm-hmm. you know, the one, the kind of, like, things that, like, other jazz guys will see and go, ha Right, yeah, yeah. You know. Which Billy does, this is all, this is sort of a Billyism too, like, you know, spelling a word that's not, you know. Um, Set the rate of Jerry? Oh, yeah, that is a bit of a, uh, yeah, you're right, because of the spelling, like playing with the spelling yeah, and stuff. Yeah, yeah. Ode to Daryl. Yeah. Um, it made me wonder who the Daryl is. Dimebag? Could it be? Oh. I don't know in what way, but if you owed money to Dimebag Daryl, I don't know. <laughs> it made you, me wonder. Did you, own, did you owe money to Dimebag Daryl? Is that why you're, you're a lot. bringing this a up? A lot, actually. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you bet on stars games and then you like, lost so much money. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That was the, the thing that was so funny. I mean, like, you know, again, I've said this many times, but growing up in Texas, like, it's almost mandatory that you listen to Pantera. Mm-hmm. But when they did a theme, when we the Dallas Stars came to Dallas um, and they wrote a theme for Dallas Stars, I was like, this is insane. Yeah. <laughs> we had Stars Fever. Sorry, Minnesota. Uh, anyway, <laughs> so Ode to Daryl, what do you think about this song? Yeah, this is one that um, kind of uh, reminded me of Bitches Brew again, the Miles Davis album. Uh-huh. That moment at about 142, 
the like it's kind of the it's kind of the most it's one of the most sort of um, I guess stereotypically jazzy moments on the album. It's a great place for it too because we're getting into sort of like i feel like these this is the chunk of an album where you can kind of really get lost in it and this is like a really cool sort of spaced out jazzy um jazzy track so yeah i i I really dig this one as the one that kind of plays like a jazz record you know like it's you're you're not um it's washing over you rather than you sort of like being hyper focused on every you know hooked into like lyrics you know like it's it's a different kind of attention it's like a full body attention rather than like your brain paying attention yeah i i that's such a good observation it's like yeah it's like the right place on the album to have this type of track yeah i think the 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 sequencing of this album is pretty great Mm -hmm. um but i love the fun and dark tone on this uh much more jazz fusion than the other tracks yeah uh and of course, again, I love the distorted bass tone on this album, and especially this song. But yeah, I think I think you summed it up uh, pretty perfectly because, like, I didn't even think of it in those terms. But like, yeah, you're you're absolutely right. Yeah. Yeah, this is a cool one. Definitely a cool one. Yeah, you know, there's a lot of waves that happen throughout music, mm-hmm. but our next track is newer waves. So this one actually has uh, Mahler singing lead on this, and it has our core group. So, Pat, what are your thoughts on Newer Waves? Yeah, I I like his vocals, um, but I love this song. This is is one of my top three, I think, on the album. Mm. Um, The drums are so powerful and awesome right out of the gate. Um, But I also love the guitar sound. I love the backing vocals. They're very ghostly. Um, several listens in, I started thinking about, um, I went to go see Nick Cave recently, but I am a big fan of him all the time, but it was the ghostly backing vocals were reminding me of parts on his, um, recent album, Ghost Teen, Nick Cave and the Bad Seeds. There's like some, I think it's Warren Ellis who does those, but, um, and then just in general, I think Jimmy just really cooks on this one to borrow uh, what i imagine to be a jazz term Ooh, yeah he, he's serving he it cooks up. daddy uh the controlled power thing that he does so well is oh, really yeah. on display in this one yeah yeah I, I'm, I'm eating up that meal for sure he's yeah. cooking that he's that cooking hard. it up hot and 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 fast oh yeah, yeah. flapjacks <laughs> uh yeah this track is so cool i like the warm tones on it and i i'm not the biggest fan of his singing voice uh i i I don't know i i I think it it's okay for me uh but i like this song Mm -hmm. uh i think it sounds like swerve driver to me like it could be a swerve driver song mixed with a little bit of you know jazzy elements but the production is great i love the phase and the flange on that drum you know there's that one part Mm -hmm. where you can hear the phase and the flange on it yeah um 
I like how the guitar riff comes back in, and then there's this cool delay on the clean guitar part, and then you think it's fading out, and it's done, but then it comes right back in, and then it goes boop. Mm -hmm. It just like stops on a dime. And yeah. it is so impressive, that mm -hmm. ending. I think overall it's a pretty solid track, but it's a really cool it's a really cool track, I think. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. And even the vocals I find charming kind of because he doesn't have like the same, I don't want to say chops, but sort of like uh, it, there's like a little bit of a more of an amateurish vocal feel yeah. to it, which I can fi I find charming sometimes. Yeah, I do too, say but, it, you know, but yeah. um I know what you mean. There there are some I mean, you got a friggin' righteous brother on this album, so. <laughs> I mean, come on. <laughs> I mean, it's, a godfather yeah. can't just, you know, uh, hand that down, that right. skill down, if, you know. Yeah. Well, it's funny, too, because in this context with, like, this project being the Jimmy Chamberlain complex, the drummer's project. Right. There are songs with lyrics, with singing, but as opposed to, like, most big rock bands where it's kind of like front man voice it, uh, those are sort of like what you pay attention to first the vocals are one of many kind of instruments on this album True. you know they're they're like they're sort of um i don't know they're e there's like a democracy of like the elements here where like it, it the the singer is not the most important person you know what i mean whereas that's yeah. kind of the de facto way that a lot of people might listen to like rock music or, or, or the Smashing Pumpkins or whatever. You're making a great point, Pat. Uh, you changed my mind. Uh, no, but because it does play into what you were talking about, like the elements of like what we were talking about with the roughness that feels a little bit more mm -hmm. jazz oriented with the yeah. more production, like slick production elements of it. So mm -hmm. I looking at it like what you were just saying, like more of as an instrument and even like some, you know, jazz recordings that are really great have rough vocals anyway, yeah. because yeah. they're so in the moment and they're so, you know, mm -hmm. and not that these are rough at all, but I was just, you know, I, maybe I'm being a little too unfair, but I, uh, yeah, I, you, you made me look at that in a different way. So thank you. <laughs> hey, anytime. Hey, you might say that you had a little bit of a shift. A time shift. shift time shift so this is another kind of fun play on words right because mm -hmm. this song uh certainly has them so pat right what are your thoughts on time shift yeah um i really find this one to be cool atmospheric the bass sounds really good another great headphone listen this is sort of Jimmy 
without knowing a ton about drumming, it, it from a technical perspective, it sounds like um, this is Jimmy sort of uh, showing his stuff on like the high end of his drum set. You know, a lot of cymbals and stuff. Oh yeah. Um, but that pounding guitar, it's just that another example of this interesting kind of mix of maybe like you could say 2000s rock sound good good stuff like it has a placebo vibe to me that like sort of relentless like guitar um hard guitar sound um and then which is which is so sort of like you know like so relentless but then you you, at the two minute mark or so you start to get this kind of that you know real jammy keyboard stuff back to that hard driving guitar I think it's a cool uh, a cool melding of of different styles um, yeah. and yeah it ma- made me think of placebo a lot that, that oh. something about that guitar sound really conjured up um, feelings of placebo Yeah, I had hints of that as well. Uh, I mean, chorus as usual, Jimmy sounds incredible because that guitar part's pretty like straight ahead. I mean, it's I, I don't it's not a mundane riff, but it is a pretty straight ahead riff. But because of Jimmy's drumming, it elevates it. That's that's I think the the true power of Jimmy is that he can elevate even the most simplest riff and mm-hmm. give it make it sound like it has dimensions. But it's really yeah. his kind of flourishes that give it that full right picture. Right. And I love that. Uh, and it truly does, like I said, time shift. Uh, mm-hmm. It becomes proggy and kind of mathy. You know, it kind of mixes yeah. those elements that I really like. And that higher bass part kind of feels like. Um, jazz odyssey you know <laughs> like mm-hmm. the spinal tap jazz odyssey yeah, type yeah. of feel to it right um, right i'll tell you what we're gonna have to do well jazz odyssey we're not going about to do a free form jazz uh exploration in front of uh, a festival crowd you are witnesses at the new birth of spinal tap mark ii hope you enjoy our new direction It's a very interesting track. I think it's kind of serves the same purpose as like what you said earlier with Ode to Daryl. Uh, it's mm-hmm. it's it's an interesting track. Yeah. Well, we're nearing the end of the album, so it's only fitting that there would be a lullaby.
lullaby. Pep. Now, this, of course, features Bill Medley of the Righteous Brothers. Yep. And listening to it the first time recently, I didn't know who this was. I hadn't checked the liner notes. I was like, what's going on here on this track? It's very interesting because it's... You don't recognize him as a righteous brother right away. No, because you I lost feel that loving feeling. Right, chain melody, right? Yeah, yeah. Okay, I'm like, kind he, of second guessing no, I think unchained. Yeah. And so it feels like he's doing sort of a grunge voice on top of his already distinct voice. Yeah. He's also probably older than, you know, at this point, maybe his voice had changed a bit just naturally since the last, you know, recording we had heard of his. But um, I'll say this is not my favorite track. I respect the hell out of it. I, I think it's cool <laughs> that they have him on there. Um, I, I did have, so I was telling you earlier about how, um, last weekend just had like a kind of crazy weekend at my house. My wife, my wife was sick and what I, basically we, we wound up like kind of being up all night and it also happened to be like, you know, the first morning in a while where I had to like physically be to work in the morning, you know, you know, those times when like you can't sleep, you're finally like given the green light to like okay now you can at least try to go to sleep but like you you, and you want to so badly and you just can't do it like your your need to your awareness of how bad you're gonna need sleep tomorrow keeps you from sleeping but i also had this song stuck in my head it's like i had close your eyes sleep tight tonight and dream my dear but just kind of on loop because it's got that you know so I don't know this. This kind of what wove itself into a bit of a stress loop. Oh a, no! A, a non-sleeping stress dream that I had. Ah, uh, the but power of music, huh? I know, I know. <laughs> it, you know that you know, and then something gets exactly stuck in your head you on loop, and it's just like you know. So this kind of, I had a bit of a bad trip with this song, you could say. <laughs> but it's without it's, drugs at all, you had a without really bad dr- trip. Oh boy, yeah, no, I could have used some at the time, but. <laughs> yeah, it, it's it's very um, definitely kind of same concept as like farewell and good night. You know, yeah. a bit of a, a capper, a little lullaby capper. I could see this being maybe this is a song Jimmy wrote about a chi- his child. Uh, I would imagine something like that, maybe or I don't know. But um, all that to say, not my favorite one, but kind of, you know, kind of cool and left field and um, not as out of left field as if, like, you were to suddenly have this guy sing on the second last track of a pumpkin song or pumpkins album because people do take turns with the vote. You know, different people yeah. do vocal duty. So I respect it, but. Yeah, not not totally my fave, but that pumpkin—it does have a very pumpkins guitar sound for sure. Yeah, 
This is the one track where, when I heard about Mark Lanigan wanting to be, or uh, Jimmy wanting Mark Lanigan to be on the album, this was the track I was like, oh, this would have been the Mark Lanigan. Right. The other tracks I couldn't really, uh, with the Rob tracks, I couldn't really picture. Mm-hmm. I guess I could, because he did a lot of Queens of the Stone Age stuff that was like more driving and straight ahead. And even Mark Lanigan stuffed uh, Screaming Trees, so I take that back. But this was the one that I was like, oh, it sounds like they really wanted Mark Lanigan's voice for this. Right. So then uh, Muller was like, uh, God, Pappy, please uh, do me a favor. Come sing him a song. <laughs> and he goes, okay, I'll be there. I'll do it now, my and, little boy. Because it sounds like Mark Lanigan or Tom Waits. And then yeah, yeah. you have Linda Strawberry uh, right. doing backing vocals on it, which are ble- beautiful, and it kind of mm-hmm. does this cool juxtaposition. It's an interesting track. It's a cool track, I think. I, it, I, I, I like the idea. I like the concept of it, but I could definitely... It's a very interesting track, I think. Yeah, uh, yeah. If, it feels also epic on a small scale, if that makes any sense. Probably not. But. No, it does. It's like closed. Uh, yeah, it's like it. It does. It does. It's got the vocals uh, read that way, but then the the, the music too. The music is very is like epic but restrained, kind of like it's, yeah. it's kind of boxed in a little bit. It's yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's just it's interesting, and it's kind of a cool little fact that you know that uh, Bill Medley comes in, you know. His aged voice gives it some character. His his voice, I mean, his voice has tons of character for sure. Yeah, absolutely. Now, the I mean, I, the, the lyrics are by Becca Popkin. Um, I don't know who that is. Do you? I tried. I, I googled her and couldn't find familiar. like any clear results. But um, yeah, yeah Becca can, Popkin wrote the lyrics for this one. Maybe it's a nom de plume. Could be. Yeah. You know, like uh, Prince Jamie Star. Uh, yeah, who knows? Maybe it's a Billy uh, nom de plume. That's true. Becca Popkin, Billy Corgan, Billy Pumpkin, Burke, Billy, Billy, Danny, Gilda, Chubby, Chubby Timmy. <laughs> We're back at it. <laughs> <laughs> and speaking of coming back to things, nice Loki Cat reprise. Oh, that was yours. Sorry, you know, you know that was it. That was look. It's jazz, dude. This is we're we're freewheeling here. To the cat. So Loki cat reprise, or oh, sorry, I realize I've been saying this wrong. Loki cat reprise. I know that always throws. If we're me. talking about music, it's reprise. Well, you. But if we're talking about like, uh, like actors reprising a role, that's different. Right. Do people? Is it called? Now I remember years ago somebody saying the record label reprise records. Someone saying it's actually reprise. But I feel like right. it is. But the record label is Reprise, right? I thought so. I thought so too. It doesn't matter. Do Let's they even Mr. exist Reprise. anymore? <laughs> I don't think they exist anymore. Do they? I, they none of them really. They're all owned by the same. Uh, it's all just iHeart. I, you know, iHeart. Yeah, Warner, it's all yeah. iHeart. Uh, yeah, because Clear. I didn't know that Clear Channel was called iHeart now. Yeah, it's all this. Everything is the same. Oof. 
they really had to change their name to uh, something a little bit more digestible, didn't they? Yeah, yeah. Because Clear Channel had such a bad name. They're like, how about iHeart? Isn't that cute? Yeah, iHeart. We all heart. <laughs> iHeart, I own you now. Bye. Yeah, yeah. Um, all right, Loki Cat. So this is a cool little... I mean, like, this is... Um, this is great. It's just another little taste of that track, but it, it does a I think it does a lot to sort of tie a bow on everything to to sort of um it's interesting because it does it's not like they seamlessly kind of like transition. It's a it's its own separate track, right? Like it's not like they sort of like take lullaby and then start playing and like it morphs into a little loki cat which reprise, would be cool but which yeah. would be cool and i almost kind of maybe wished it did in some way or like that by yeah, the end too. it all like wove together a little bit more but i think this does that job of tying things up it's such a pretty sounding song that it's nice to have that little taste uh it's funny how the last song is like called lullaby but I feel like Loki Cat is like the real lullaby on the album. Yeah, you're because I think because of the gruff vocals, it is a little. It, it's a bit of a palate cleanser to kind of lead us out. Yeah, um, and this is kind of like par for the course on like fusion or jazz albums where they do these kind of reprises yeah. and stuff. Uh, and so it fits on that. But it's a nice mellow out. I think it really kind of like settles you back in mm -hmm. and also kind of gives you a feeling of like, see you next time. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it kind of has that. Yeah. You know, bye. And if you, you know. happen to, which I think I did once or twice listening to it, the, you know, just be listening to it like driving or whatever, and it kind of starts to play again. It's like a nice sort of loop to like yeah. sort of, um, yeah, close the loop so it like, I don't know, it kind of continue. It, it feels like it's, it's not stopping and starting again but it's like a continuous you know loop of music yeah i listened to this a lot while driving yeah i i really loved like the feeling of driving to it mm -hmm. too it was really cool but when i sat down with it last night i definitely heard a lot more yeah than i did on those drives but um yeah so that is life begins again from the Jimmy Chamberlain Complex. Who were some uh, personnel that we didn't talk about yet here? Um, we got Adam Benjamin on the Fender Rhodes. Yep. Paul Chamberlain. Uh, Paul Chamberlain. Um, Additional drums. And is that, I wonder if there's any relation. Yeah, I feel like there's got to be, right? Um, Corey Wilton, lead guitar on Love is Real. Additional guitar on Time Shift and Art Concept. That's cool. Yeah. Cool uh, cool album cover. I like it. I dig it. I do too. Yeah, I guess we... I mean, I don't have the, the physical CD. I only have the digital copy. Yeah, as we said, uh, Linda Strawberry on backing mm -hmm. vocals on Lullaby. Tom Rothrock, mixer. Uh, we've heard his name a couple of times. Mike Tarantino, the mix, mixing assistant. Edmund Monsef, engineer. Forrest Bory, video production and video editing. Which I assume was for the extra, yeah. He actually portion. He, um, you see his name at the end, and I think his email address too. So if anybody wants to email, oh right, yeah. <laughs> Say, send me the raw footage. I'll, I'll clean it up. I'll, yeah, give it the 4K treatment. Yeah. Uh, and then Frank Garanda, who was the management. So I, I think um, you could find this enhanced video. Luckily, somebody uploaded. It's not the best quality, but I'm sure you know. Even on the enhanced CD, it's a little rough. Uh, but you can find this 
enhanced uh, EPK thing, uh, electronic press kits or enhanced version of the Jimmy Chamberlain complex on YouTube. I, I can actually tell you who uploaded it to. That would be user Jerry Vayna, Vayana. It's V-A-I-A-N-A. -A -A. So you can check that user out and you can just look it up. Uh, but yeah, it's it's a fun watch. Yeah, definitely worth watching if you've done... I mean, the album stands on its own, but if you dig this album and wind up listening to it quite a bit, like quite a bit, like we did, it adds to it to see just a little bit of the process. Um, yeah. And Oh, yeah. Frank Catalano. That's who... Yeah, you're right. Frank Catalano mm -hmm. is who plays with Jimmy Chamberlain. And Adam Benjamin, who did the Fender Rhodes, actually plays... Uh, with and recorded with Frank uh, Catalano and Jimmy Chamberlain. Yep. So we reached out to our Patreon members and our listeners on social media to see what they had to say about this album. Carlos David Glass says, Oh man, what a great album. The main takeaway to me is that his writing and songwriting is very different from Billy's and the pumpkin slash swan. His collaboration certainly let him drive and that drumming is so brutal and beautiful. My favorite off the album is the title track, Loki Cat was cool to hear Billy on it for support, but hot take, it wasn't necessary for me to love the album. There you go. That's a good point. I think that's a good point. Yeah. It it's it adds to the album, but and I think it's I think that's a high compliment, you know, because obviously the, a lot of people who checked out this album were gonna be checking it out because they liked Billy's band, The Smashing Pumpkins, which is Jimmy's band too. But I think that's high praise because it is a great song, but it doesn't make or break the album. So agreed, Carlos David Glass. Very good point. Reggie Chamberlain King says, I was surprised that a local TV presenter had this album in the door of his car. <laughs> this is a very personal, like, yeah, very specific. So right away. Not anything to do with the album, but a very of, of a personal Right story. away, you kind of, paint, we're painting a picture here. Although it oh, may... Yeah it may have been his wife's car. Certainly, she was the one who gave me the lift, but they probably shared it. I would have expected him to listen to Paul's Boutique, but people are various. That's true, Reggie, people are very, I mean, when you wind up in a local TV presenter's car, anything can happen. That's one thing I've learned over the years, so. Yeah, I don't know, I would have expected, if you're, if you're a TV presenter, I would think like Little River Band or something like right. that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Uh, some real like JC Penny type of grooves. Yeah. Anyway, Steve, aka Wings Glued On on Instagram said, This is a very good album. I was fortunate enough to see them live at the Rave in Milwaukee, Wisconsin. I got to meet him after the show. He was just sitting at the bar and people were taking turns going to talk to him. I shook his hands and got a signed drumstick. I'll never forget how hard and callous his hands were. I mean, obviously. <laughs> yes, obviously, because he's, I'm sure yeah. the guy is drumming. 24 7 360 uh he said during the show i'm paraphrasing that he thought it was cool that we came to the show and was happy to know that people enjoyed listening to what they were performing because that was the type of stuff they played for fun when they would get together and jam my favorite tracks from the album are newer waves cranes of prey and life begins again that rusty bass and jimmy's drum sound excellent pulsing through my body at very high volume yeah. looking forward to your episode on this album 
I guess I didn't have to read that last part, but I did. <laughs> Whoa, you're in it now, dude. <laughs> yeah, great points. And honestly, the the note about his hands being incredibly calloused, I feel like that adds a little bit of much-needed um, color. Sort of like how just, you know, you we listen to music that Jimmy plays on a lot, but then when you just seeing video of him playing is always a good jolt of a reminder of like how sick he is just to see him perform and to actually touch those hands you, you know you could feel the the god's hands yeah but also the the creator yeah just the you could feel the the work you know in those hands you know mm-hmm. those hard hands not baby smooth like us those aren't podcaster hands those are drummers <laughs> hands just like sliding off like butter yeah with just like clammy hands yeah the most I could say is that my hands are, are very dry, but I would, well, I've been t- I've been trying to noodle on my guitar a lot, so uh, or a lot more late, not a lot, but more. So, so your fingers are bleeding. So my fingers, you know, I'm getting those subtle, you know, calluses, which feel good once you have them. Um, oh. But anyway, someday we'll do on our Patreon, we'll do Frank and Pat fumble through the pumpkins songs. I know because I've been challenging myself with Stumbling lately, oh, which nice. I used to know how to play. And forgot for a long time. I'm boning up. That's a fun one to play, but hard too. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. John Swanson says, I absolutely adore this album. I would probably go so far as to call this album the most criminally overlooked rock release of the aughts. I'm praying Jimmy will piggyback off of the upcoming reissues to do a reissue of the album. I would love to own it on vinyl. There you go. Me too. I mean, that's something that uh, at... Alligator Beans on Twitter said, Ali, she said, it needs to be released on vinyl. That was something that she yeah. had mentioned too, and I highly agree. I would buy this if he repressed it. I'm sure there's some interest from the band members because this just happened to come out at sort of an all-time low in terms of interest in vinyl. I think it was like... Absolutely. The initial wave of vinyl was far in the past, and the new... The, the second, the wave that we're in, Digital. it was it wasn't here yet, so... Um, yeah, I'm sure the band would be excited about that, and a lot of fans. I'd buy it, for sure. So some of our uh, comments on Twitter, uh, Craig Burt said, Great album. Zwi says, I was excited about it. Respect the artistry, but man, it didn't last in the CD player for long. Just not my genre, I guess. Still bought and supported his latest album, too. Same results. Well, well at least you you're go. supportive. That's I mean, yeah. Fair enough, yeah. Respect it. Yeah. I, there's nothing wrong with that. I think. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Thank you, Zwee. Uh David Cooper said, still have the tour poster from Detroit. Great album and show. Thanks, JC. John Luke or Luck? I'm sorry if I'm... We're butchering everybody's name. name on this. But we're Biley Corgal? Yeah, free jazz on names today. John says, I remember buying the album and loving it. A little jazz, a little rock and roll. The album definitely had soul. I had to see these guys play, so I made the trip up to Minneapolis. I couldn't wrap my head around the fact that all this sound was being produced by a three-piece. Yeah. Cool. Yeah, good point. I know. I regret not seeing them. Uh, Satellite Lungs HQ at Dan Former on Twitter says, Love this record. It's the only album like this that I own. Not a lot of jazz in my collection, but it's Jimmy, and I could just listen to him playing alone. Of course, uh, and of course, Loki Cat so good yep there you go yeah and if you want to you could see some of their live stuff i think the one thing i definitely was able to find was a a show that they did at the vic theater 
on mm -hmm. 9 18 2005. If you look up user SPALDZ, again, we've talked about this user before who just uh, uploads a lot of phenomenal live stuff. Uh, you could see that performance. I think it's like a 30 minute performance that they do at the Vic Theater. Um, yeah, that, that's Jimmy Chamberlain complex. Life begins again. Pat, yep. overall thoughts. Yeah, so I, I a little bit regret not getting into it sooner, but I also recognize that maybe this was the time in my life I was meant to get into it. And I legitimately, um, we had some, t you know, we we had like we had some good, we had a good amount of time to sit with this one, and li yeah. I listened to it a lot. Um, and it really has gotten in my bones. I really appreciate it. It just, you know, it's a great album as an album, but it also just makes me even more interested in Jimmy Chamberlain and just his talent. Um, but yeah, an awesome album, and I love how their goal was to make something different that sort of defied genre. I just think that's such a, an honorable goal to have. You know, no matter the outcome, like, that's just a fucking cool attitude to have. And um, yeah, everything about, I'll say everything about this album. I like some songs more than others, but overall, I think it's great. And I mostly just appreciate the art, the talent, and the yeah, kind of the mission here to just make something cool that is not really a rock album, not really a jazz album, just kind of like cool musicians doing some cool music. That's what it's all about. Yeah. I agree. I'm glad that I was able to give this another listen, a good listen, you know, and give it good, a second yeah. chance because I, I, I really enjoyed it. And I'm looking forward to hearing the other album because, like, the other albums, yeah. too, I'm like, are the album and EP. I'm just not as mm -hmm. familiar with it. So I'm looking forward to diving into that. Yeah, definitely makes me excited for that, which we will get to uh, when the time comes. But Correct. lots to do before that. We are in... 2005 in our timeline 2022 right. IRL so that means that our next episode our next official full length episode will be Billy Corgan's The Future Embrace yep that's going to be the next album we this. tackle this is a big one another benchmark um, yeah. we are going to have some other cool stuff to check out in the meantime um, little treat that we're cooking up in the main feed so stay tuned for that mm -hmm. but um, yeah this is exciting territory we'll uh, you know we'll talk about it when we get to it but you know as we've mentioned before like obviously the 90s era you know initial pumpkins run stuff we were excited to talk about but in many ways i'm when we started this podcast but in many ways it's this kind of stuff it's the sort of you know zwan to solo albums to reformation like th i feel like this is where it's, it's starting to get really interesting because it's you know yeah it's, it's a the new less era. discussed yeah new era and less less analyzed i think overall less kind of um i agree it's it, more overlooked and less you know talked about so um we're excited hope you're excited thank you for listening check us out on the socials join the patreon what else uh Buy a t-shirt yeah send us an email the smashing pumpcast kst at gmail.com and uh, let us know how you're enjoying the show. We like the feedback, you know. It, it gets, mm -hmm. puts a little 
you know, gas in the tank, if you will. But also the Patreon helps a lot because it helps us pay for things. Uh, speaking of which, I have to buy a new uh, computer charger uh, because mine is just decided to stop working properly. Uh, there you go. So, thanks, uh, thanks, Tim Cook. Tim Crook. <laughs> oh boy, here he goes again. He's up on yeah. his soapbox, Pat's soapbox. <laughs> here he comes. More like crapple computers. <laughs> oh boy, yeah, I got to get a new iPhone because um, Verizon has been emailing me and saying by the end of the year your phone's not going to work anymore. It's oh too my old. god! Wow! <laughs> wow! Yeah, yeah. All right. It's like well, the cell towers aren't going to communicate with your phone anymore. Jesus um, Christ! By the end of the year. So thank you, they capitalism. You, they get you coming and going, folks. Uh, here we are, folks. All right, friends. Thank you for listening, and until next time, we wish you a fond farewell and good.